Good morning. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you could turn them to James chapter 1, I'd appreciate that. You could pick out the outline right out the center doors there, right at the ministry counter. Please do that. We continue in our series, I Didn't Know. What we're going to talk about today is that I'd always wrestle, have to wrestle with temptation. Did you think that there would come as a young believer, when you first came to Christ as a young believer, you thought that one day that I'll be strong enough that temptation won't even come knocking at my door? Or that I'll be so strong in the Lord that temptation wouldn't dare to approach me, right? There, there's some pastors that teach that. I don't know if you know, there are some pastors that teach that. They teach that you get to a place in your Christian experience of sinless perfection, and, and in all practicality, they say that you never sin. I've not got to that place personally in my own life, but I know I'm in good company, right? I know I'm in good company. Uh, why we don't want to sin, none of us want to sin. We do. We do. Let's be honest. We don't want to sin. It breaks our heart when we sin against God, but what we, we do, we do. And I, I think of two guys in the Bible, and one of them is John the Apostle, who was a contemporary Jesus who walked on this earth with Jesus. But uh, after Jesus ascended into heaven, John the Apostle lived about 60 more years. And now he's on the island of Patmos in exile for the sake of the gospel. And there's where he probably wrote the book of Revelation and probably wrote First and Second, Third John. And I think of John in one of those books, he says, if we sin. Now you think this guy's 95 years old. You think at that time the enticement of sin would be gone, right? It should be gone, you think, at 95 years old. Wow, come on. But he says, if we sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And John the Apostle, included himself in that list of that group who sinned. And I think the Apostle Paul, he was no lightweight, right? He was in a great an apostle. And on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote 13 of the New Testament books. And one of the books that he wrote was the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 7, I, I love what he says there. He says, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. And I, and I think of that every time I read it. I think, I could have wrote that. How about you? I could have wrote that passage. He said, that's me. But we want to talk about this morning is that I, I didn't know that I would always wrestle with temptation. What I'm going to show you is a list of nine temptations up on the screen, areas of weakness in our life that I got from a survey from Discipleship Journal from many years ago. When you hear yours on the list, if you could please stand, okay? <laughs> so you don't want to do that, do you? No, I'm just joking. I was just seeing if you're awake. I don't want to know where you stand. I don't want to know where you stand. But, but the first one, let's look at the first, the nine greatest spiritual temptation. The first one, we're going to start from number nine on, is lying. Lying. And how many of us could say, boy, that, that's, that's me. I'm caught in that, and sometimes I did. Number eight is gluttony. Number seven is envy. Number six is sexual lust. Number five is anger and bitterness. How many of us get anger, angry and bitter at other people? Number four is laziness. Number three, self-centeredness or selfishness. And number two is pride. I think we could all stand for that one. Anybody could guess what number one is? It's a form of idolatry. Materialism. Materialism. And you may look at that list and you say, boy, that, that's not my weaknesses. That's not my list. But I have my own list. It's not those, but I have my own. And maybe you look at that list this morning and say, boy, that's me. I own that list. These are the things that I struggle with each and every day in my life. I struggle with those kind of things. Well, what do we do about those? What do we do about those? If you have your Bibles at James chapter 1, 
And by the way, we all have a different list, right? We all have a different list. And the wicked one, know, wicked one knows exactly our weaknesses, what they are. I don't know what yours are. You don't know what mine are. But we all have that list of our weaknesses that we have. The book of James here, James was the half-brother of the Lord Jesus. You know that, right? He was his half-brother. And he, he was a leader in the early church. And he writes this five-chapter book for us. And, and this five-chapter book is very uh, close in conception to the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, where, where it says it's very, very practical. And you would be wise to read this book over and over and over again. There are three themes that run throughout this book. The first one is wisdom. The second theme we find is trials. And the third one is riches and poverty. And these are the themes that run throughout the book of James that you find. And what I want you to see this morning is the big idea. It's not in your notes, but the big idea is that responding to temptation properly will lead to blessing. If we respond properly to temptation, it will lead to blessing. So if you have your outline, I want to give you three simple truths regarding temptations. Three simple truths. And the first one is this. Don't waste the trial. Go for the crown. Don't waste the trial, but go for the crown. Let's read James chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. The first 11 verses talks about trials is what we hear. And then verse 12 closes off that section, but it also begins a new section. And that section talks about temptation. In the Bible, the word trial and temptation come from the same uh, root word. So the context has to determine which one it is, has to determine the meaning. In this passage in verse 12, he's talking about a trial. And it's very important that we understand that he's talking about a trial here. And he says, you're blessed if you go through that trial and you endure that trial, or you persevere under trial is what he's talking about here. Jesus uses the same words of blessing and what we call the Beatitudes, doesn't he? He says, blessed are you if you do this or do that, right? And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, that Beatitude probably comes closest to this passage in James, where Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And James is saying here, blessed are those who persevere under trial, is what he's saying. So those trials that come, they come into all of our lives. They're universal to all of us, aren't they? They come in all size and shapes in our lives, and, and they come. And if I were to guess this morning, I would say probably at least half of you are probably going through some heavy trial in your life today. A significant trial. A trial that where maybe your health, maybe financial, maybe relationship. But I would say to all of us if have been through trials in our life, maybe you're just entering a trial. Maybe you're right in the thick of that trial, and it's very heavy. Maybe a trial's coming in your life, or maybe you just left one. But we all know about trials. In the earlier verses of the book of James, it says to consider it pure joy, joy whenever you go through these various trials. These trials of different sizes and different shapes. The Bible says when you go through these heavy trials, consider it pure joy when we go through those. Because when we go through these trials, we learn things about ourselves that we weren't learning any other way, right? That we go through these trials, we should draw near to God. And as we draw near to God, God ministers to us. So later on, we'll be able to minister to other people, right? Because when we go through these trials, we say, God, I, I can't handle this trial. And we go through it, and we seek God, and we draw closer to God. We kind of wrap our arms around him sometimes. The trial is so great. And, and we see God in a clear picture. We, our focus is on him and his word. And God is able to minister to us. And our trust increases in God. Our faith increases in God. We learn all kinds of things 
during that trial as we're clinging toward God. And so later on, as God is ministering to us at that time, we're able to help those who go through similar trials in their lives. And God uses us to minister to them. So he's always preparing us. He's always equipping us during those trials. And he says, consider a pure joy when you go through those trials. He says, blessed are you if you persevere under trial. The key word here is, is in understanding the word persevere, or some translation, it uses the word endure, which simply means to abide under pressure or to hold up under pressure. I heard someone use an analogy of a watermelon seed for this passage one time. And you take a watermelon seed and you put it on a counter or on a table, and you take a little bit of that watermelon juice and you put it on top of it, and then you put your thumb on top of that watermelon seed. And what does the watermelon seed want to do? kind of squirt off the side, right? Real slippery, wants to squirt off the side. And that's the way we are many times. When that pressure comes from that trial many times, those storms of life come, what do we want to do? We want to squirt off the side. I want out. God, help me to get out of this. Lord, take this storm away from me. Take this trial away from me. There are times when we have these storms in our life that become so much that just hovering over us, where the thundering and lightning and the beating rain and the wind are there. Let me ask you, is it wrong for us to pray, Lord, let this storm pass over? Lord, to get rid of this storm. Take it away from me. I don't think it's wrong to pray, pray that at all, but I think there's a better prayer for us to pray during that time. It's, Lord, help me not waste this storm. Help me to learn through this storm, through this trial, what you would have me to learn through this time. Let's not waste it. That's what it's saying here. See, sometimes when we're in the storm, if we don't respond uh, uh, correctly, we sin. And that's the wrong way to handle the trials in our life, right? So it's to abide under pressure. And when we do it, it's talking about we will receive a, a blessing is what it says. And that blessing, he says, is, is the crown of life. We're going to receive a crown. It's the crown of life. And what's really significant here, what's really important, is the timing is important is what it's saying. And we want to focus on that. The verse says, when you have stood the test, you will receive the blessing. The blessing comes not just after the trial, but after we've persevered under trial, after we've endured the trial, we experience the blessing is what it's saying here. So, be, but even after we've endured the trial, we can't expect to experience the blessing right away. There might be an interval of time that we might receive that blessing. It might go for a long time. See, some people pray for years and finally receive the blessing. And some people pray for years and they still haven't received their, the answer to their prayers that they wanted. But the Bible is telling us, we don't want to waste the trial. Don't waste the trial. We want to learn don't give up a crown, but he says, go for the crown. Go for that crown. Go for that blessing with everything that you have. That means we have to persevere under trial in that period of trial, and we have to endure whatever comes our way. To abide under pressure is what he's saying when that trial comes in our lives. But let's read on. Not only not to give up, but endure and persevere, not waste the trial, but go for the, go for the uh, uh, reward that he has for us for the crown. The second truth regarding temptation is this. Don't blame God Realize the problem is not from above, but from within. And that's so important for us. Don't blame God, but realize the problem is not from above, but from within. Verse 13 through 15. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. And then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death, is what it says. We have a contrast here. We have temptation, 
Now, temptations are different from trials, right? You understand that. Temptations are different from trials. Some will say about temptation, well, God gave me this temptation. They would say they blame it on God. They would say he'll give it. God will bring trials in our lives. He will allow trials to come into our lives. And sometimes those trials come into our life because it's a consequence of living in a broken world, right? We live in a broken world. And a flat tire sometimes happens. Not because anyone of sin, because we live in a broken world. And sometimes car accidents or something happen like that, just because the consequences of living in a broken world. But sometimes consequences of trials can come because of our actions. Like maybe if we didn't get enough sleep, we're really tired and we shouldn't be driving. If we go out and drive the car, we make a mistake in driving, maybe we can get a traffic ticket or maybe a car accident or something like that. And sometimes we have trials because of something we've done, right? Some people say God brought temptation in our life. Verse 13 is really key, and you need to highlight that because the Bible tells us no. God never brings temptation in our life for a couple of reasons. I want to give you a couple of reasons, actually three. First of all, he says, God, because God cannot be tempted by evil. Do you understand that? There's nothing that's enticing about evil that we anyway intriguing to God. God is complete in his holiness. The Bible tells us that God is holy, 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 right? Always. And by the way, Jesus was tempted, we know that, yet being God, he couldn't have sinned. I believe that Jesus couldn't have sinned, but his temptations were real, weren't they? They were real. And some would say that they were more, more powerful than ours were, much more powerful, because what happens is we give in way too early in the temptation. And Jesus endured the whole temptation and never gave in to it. So he endured it all. Yet he never gave in. He endured and never sinned, did he? He felt the full blow of that temptation. Secondly, it says, and God cannot tempt us with evil. God couldn't do that, nor would he ever want to. Because that's actually the opposite game plan that God has for us, right? God wants us to be holy. So why would God tempt us with evil that would take us in the opposite direction of what God intended for us, is to be holy? God would never do that. That doesn't make any sense. God intends for you and I to be holy, so he would never tempt us with evil. Thirdly, temptation doesn't come from above. The Bible tells us it comes from within. When you're enticed by your own evil desire and your lust is what it says. It says this is a process. It gives us like giving birth, and we understand it. Well, the women understand it. Maybe the men don't, but we understand the concept that it says that it starts with conception, then birth, and result is birth. The same with this. When lust or evil desire it has conceived, it gives birth to sin is what it says. And when sin is finished, it gives birth to death is what happens. And the death that's talked about here is not the ultimate death of losing one's life. It's talking about losing life. It's talking about that. But it's talking about anything that detracts from the life that God meant for us to have. It considers that death. Because the God, life that God has for you and I is abundant life, significant life, life that brings glory to God. And anything that detracts from that life that God meant for you and I have is in contrast like death. It gives us that. It's like death. Why would you go to there? Why would you live that kind of life? I heard a pastor say many years ago that this, that Satan, this is like Satan's LSD. It's lust, sin, and death. Lust, sin, and death. And, and we all have those come in our lives, and we have to watch that. It begins in our mind with a thought, maybe a very simple thought, maybe a very harmless thought. But it's when we begin to dwell on that thing that comes in our mind, that temptation to fantasize about it, and then believe in it, those lies for that interval per, period of time where we start believing that, 
uh, those lies that we normally wouldn't believe, those lies that we normally would preach and teach against and tell everybody, don't believe that. But in those moments of weakness, we believe those lies. And, and the enemy uses those against us. Our own lust, our own evil desires, the Bible says, and it begins in the mind. And it leads to sin, and sin ultimately always leads to death, is what the Bible tells us. And we can never blame God for that. It's always our fault because it comes from within. It doesn't come from above, it comes from within. Our own sinful desire and our own lust that we have in our own hearts. And what he does next in the next few verses, he tells us why we can't blame God. He actually gives us the reason. This is why you can't blame God for these things that's going on in your life, this temptation that comes. And that's the third truth regarding temptation, is don't be deceived believe and receive God's good gifts. Believe and receive God's good gifts. Let's read verse 16 and 17. He says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers, that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows, is what it says here. What he's saying, not, not only does not God give us temptation, because God is always a good God, God always, always gives us good gifts. He always gives us the good gifts. It says he's like the Father of lights, the Father who created the stars that we see in heaven. Those stars are there, and they're always shining. But shadows, those shadows that maybe objects come between the stars, and they cast shadows, he says they change all the time, shadows, but not the, the lights that come from the stars. They don't change. It's just like God. God is always, always, always good. God cannot be good one day and the next day tempt us. He can't do that. And see, he's always good. He always gives good gifts because he's a good God, because that's who he is. He's always good. So don't ever think that God is, he's bringing evil in my life. God doesn't do that. God loves you. And if you're a child of God, God is always looking a way to bless you with good gifts. That's what he wants to give us. His goodness abounds to us every day. His grace and his mercy and his love, because God is a good God and he's always, always good all the time. And we want to follow God who's always, always good. Then he goes on, James 1.18, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be kind of a first fruit of all that he created. He uses the same birth language here where sin or temptation gives birth to sin and then death. But then he goes on, and God through his good gifts gives birth through the word of God that we might be the first fruits of all that he created. We'll all come to Christ, he says. We might be that. He's talking to first century saints here, who he's talking to in this passage right here. And he's saying to them, because of the work of God, who is a good God, that he's doing among you, that you're the first fruits of the millions that are going to come to Jesus. You're the first fruits. And you and I today are the millions that he's talking about here in this passage. The millions who would come to know Jesus Christ, their Savior, and follow him and follow God and pray to God who is good, who is good all the time. We have a good God. And that's what he's trying to set up. We have a good God who always, always gives us good gifts. So you say, I didn't know that I would always face temptation, right? I didn't know that. And yet you will in your life. You will till you pass from this life into eternity to be with Jesus. But when the trials come, what are we supposed to do? Persevere and endure. We find the strength from God to persevere and endure during those trials, right? When the temptation comes, what are we supposed to do? Endure it? No. There's one thing we're supposed to do. We flee from temptation. You run. 
You run from temptation. And where do we run? We run toward God, into the arms of God, and God embraces us. Because remember, those sin and that temptation comes from within. We can't find the strength within ourselves to overcome that. So we go to God and find his strength so we can resist that temptation. And we do that. That's what we do in our life. And those temptations, always remember, they come from within. So you're never going to find the strength from within to overcome temptation. You're not going to find that. I want to share one more verse with you that's often misquoted and taken out of context. And you know it. It's 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where the apostle Paul writes this powerful verse. And he says, No temptation has ceased you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted... He will also provide a way out so you can stand up under it. When I think of a God who gives good gifts, and God is a God who gives good gifts, I think, what are those gifts that God gives us? Well, I think the first gift that God gives us, this is not in your notes, but I'm going to write this down. He gives us the gift of salvation, isn't it? It's a gift that God gives us. Uh, hey, aren't you glad of that gift that he gave us? That uh, no matter our background, no matter where, what we've sinned or what we've done, that those are all taken away through the cross of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, that you and I can't earn that, we didn't buy that, but it's a gift. Salvation is a gift. Matter of fact, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is, uh, uh, through, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a gift. And we just praise God for that gift that he gave us of salvation. There's nothing we can do for it except accept that free gift through Jesus. Another gift that he's given to us is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live with inside of us for all those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. So I don't have to fight these battles of the mind alone anymore. What I have to do is just yield to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will produce things in my life that I can do on my own, like the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all those things. And any time I yield to my own spirit, well, what will it produce? Trouble always trouble. Listen to me. Always trouble. Anytime that you yield to your own spirit and you don't do the will of God, it always leads to trouble, dead-end street, sin, hurting yourself, hurting other people. Always. Not sometimes. Always. Always ends in trouble. And when we yield to the Holy Spirit, it always ends with the fruit of the Spirit coming out. The love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and good self-control, those kind of things. Another gift that he gave us is this Bible. I and mean, if you have your Bible, you might want to lift it up that this is a gift from God. Do you realize that? Aren't you thankful for this precious gift that God gave to us? And it's really a gift that really helps us in our time of need, especially with trials and, and temptations that come in our life, that God gives us this. In fact, the Bible says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That we know this book so well that it becomes a compass in our life. That we just don't read it once in a while, that it, it guides us as we're walking along the road and God is leading us. And he's telling us through this book, his nature and his character, who he is and who he's not. And we understand that we're to follow and, and be like God's nature. So we know how to answer things. We know how to respond. We know what direction to take. And we got to be in this book. And the Holy Spirit will use it to guide us in our life. Because sometimes God doesn't just take in a straight path. He goes, no, I want you to go right. I want you to go left. And this guides us. Such a precious book that God gave us, the Bible. It's a gift. It's a gift. He gave us this, this word of God. Another gift that he gave us is each other. I don't know if you realize that. We're called to live in community. We're called to be a family. And it's so precious. They were to be, act like a family and to lean and encourage one another and build each other up. We're called to be a family. Another gift that he gave us was, talks about in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 
that he gave us a way of escape. He gave us a, a way out. He says there's no temptation that is common to man, but God always provides a way of escape. He always provides a way out. Here's the thing. Some people will take this first and they'll say, you know, I know that God will never give me more than I can bear. And they use this first in relation, in the principal relation to their trials. And then sometimes somebody had talked to me and said, you know, I'm going through a really major trial and I must be strong because I know God will never give me more than I can bear. And I'll listen to them and I, I want to be loving and kind. I'll say, you know, I, I, I really believe that God gives us more than we can bear all the time. I really do. And they said, why would he do that? So I don't really know why God would do that, but I, I suppose perhaps that God does that so you and I would realize we were never meant to live this life without him, that we need him every moment of our lives, that I were never meant to live this life apart from God, that sometimes those trials come in my life and I'm overwhelmed and, and they're more than I can bear. And God, I need you in this moment. Because if I could bulk up through those trials and I could get the strength of my own and I could get through those trials all by myself, then it means I don't need God. I don't need you and you don't need me. But the Bible says I desperately need God, right? I desperately need him. And I need you to encourage me, to hold me accountable and help me. We need each other and we need God. That's what the apostle Paul is saying in Galatians. He said, bear one another's burdens. Pray for each other. Encourage each other during these times of trials. So 1 Corinthians 10, 13 in, in the context should not be applied to trials because God gives us things that we can't bear. Let me just give you some examples. Like the death of a close loved one. That's more we can bear, isn't it? That's more that we can handle on our own. Or, or the sickness of a loved one. We watch them sick and it's hard to bear. Or something tragic happens in our life or something happens to one of our children or even us getting sick. Isn't that more we can bear? We say, God, I can't handle this. And God allows those to come into our life to say, I know you can't handle it. We surrender to him. And we come to him and we draw closer to him during those times. We find his strength, find his help during those times. And that's what he wants us to do. See, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 should be applied to temptation. That's what it's talking about there, temptation. And that's one of the great gifts that God gives us as a good God. The Bible says that God always makes a way out of temptation, always gives us the way of escape. Do you realize that? Anytime temptation comes our way, God says, I'm going to give you a way out. You know that way out? I told you it before. You know the way out, right? Say yes. The way out is I don't go through the temptation on my own, is I flee and run the opposite direction and run into the arms of God and I find his strength. Because that temptation is, comes from within. I can't overcome that myself. Because it's in, if I'm looking for resources on the inside, what's on the inside? More lust more sinful desire. And the only one that can give me the strength to really overcome those temptations is God. So I run to God and I cling to him and ask God, give me the strength and give me the wisdom to resist that temptation and to flee from that in my life. And that's what God wants us to do, is to resist that and flee from those things in my life. Let me go back to that same discipleship article, discipleship journal article. They gave us the nine temptations. They also gave four suggestions to uh, how to overcome, how to deal with this. Not a formula, just four suggestions in resisting temptation. This is not in your outline. It will not be on the screen, but I'm going to hit these really quick. So write, write them down. The first one is prayer. Prayer. We, we have to be people of prayer. If we're not people of prayer, we're vulnerable, vulnerable to temptations. They will come, and there, many times we won't be able to resist them. It's through the power of prayer. Come and yield in our hearts and minds to God in prayer. 
Second is avoid compromising situations. If you have a gambling problem, you may not want to have dinner at a casino, right? If you have a drinking problem of alcohol problem, you may not want to go to a restaurant that serves a lot of alcohol, right? We don't want to put ourselves in those compromising situations. We don't do that. We know our weaknesses. Don't go there and tempt those weaknesses. Don't do that. Stay away from those places. Three is Bible study. We all need Bible study. That's why it's so important for you to be here on Sunday morning so we can grow together and learn the Word of God together and grow. Bible study. Be in your own Bible study and read this book. It's God's gift to us. And fourth is accountability. Small groups are good for that. We're going to be opening up our small groups in the fall, and I would like to see all of you sign up for that. When we come together and, and we grow together, and we fix our mind upon God and His Word, and, 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 and we encourage one another. That's what they're all about. We build each other up because none of us have arrived. We all have our own weaknesses, and temptations come in our life, and trials come in our life. So we need God, and we need each other, right, during those times. If you are here this morning, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I would encourage you to accept Him as your Savior. Every one of you don't know Him. Uh, my question to you, have you accepted God's greatest gift? Have you accepted his greatest gift? And that greatest gift is God's salvation through Jesus. If you have accepted that gift, and if you haven't, you need to accept that today. And it's just by coming to realize that you're a sinner and that God sent his son Jesus to this world and Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And you come and you apply that to your life by faith. And you say, yes to Jesus. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and I trust him as my savior. Please do that today. Trust him as your savior. Let's all pray for each other, that we'd be strong in the trials and temptations that come our way, and we find the strength of God through those. See, trials and temptations have one common denominator that they're all supposed to do to our lives. That every time a trial and temptation comes into our life, there's one, one thing we're supposed to do is run toward God. You realize that? That's what they have in common. They're always to bring us to God, where we find his strength and his help during those times. Through the, through the trials, we, we, we find a strength to help us to endure and to persevere during those trials. And he will help us with that. And many times those trials, we have to go right through those trials, right? It's not that he's going to take it away, but he's going to help us to endure and persevere under trial. That's what he promises. But through those temptations, we run to God and we ask God, God, give me the strength to resist that. Because that thing's coming out and he's powerful. That's my weakness. And if I'm left by myself, I'm going to yield to that. And we come to God and say, God, help me to resist that. Give me the strength. Give me the wisdom. Give me what I need, the fortitude, to, to resist that temptation in my life. We all have temptations. None of us can say, no, I don't have that. And all of us are going to endure trials. And we desperately need to seek God. Why? Because he's a good God. And he will never turn any of us away. And he always promises, remember this, good gifts. When you come to God, God's not looking to strike you down no matter what you've done. God is a good God who's forgiving, merciful, full of grace, and he loves you, and he wants you to come. There's no better person to come than God. But so many times when trials and temptations come into our life, we tell everyone else, but we don't tell God, the one who can do something about it. So let's run toward God and find his strength. Let's make him the king of our heart. What do we go to? Because he's always, always good. And it will be good to us during our trials and our temptations. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we praise you. We thank you. We thank you so much, Lord, as we learn again that, Lord, uh, maybe we didn't know that we'd always wrestle with temptation. But Lord, hopefully we know today that you are a good God. 
and that you never, ever would tempt us. You would never tempt us to do any evil. You would never tempt us with anything bad because all you want for us to live holy. And all you want to do is give us good gifts to bring good things in our life that we'd be conformed more to the likeness of your son, Jesus. So I pray for each one this morning. First, if anyone is going through any temptation this morning, Lord, we pray, Lord, you'd give them the strength today. They turn toward you and give them the strength to resist that temptation and run from it. And Lord, uh, they would not put themselves in any compromising way. They would not try to compromise or justify. But Lord, they would just own up to it and say, no, this is a temptation. I have to stop it. I have to resist it and flee from it. I pray for us who are going through trials, Lord. If it might be a small trial or significant trial in our life, there's one thing we all need is you. That we turn toward you and we'd find your strength and find your help. And Lord, you would help us through that trial that we might persevere, we might endure through the trial. And Lord, through that trial, we might learn what you want us to learn. We might go for the crown. We won't miss anything that you have to offer us. Lord, we don't want to miss anything in this life that you want to give to us. Help us to always yield our heart and mind to you. Help us to walk through this life realizing that I can't accomplish anything without the goodness of God in my life. I wasn't meant to accomplish anything for the glory of God without the goodness of God in my life, without your power and strength. And so, Lord, we turn toward your power and strength that we surrender. We ask this morning, Lord, that you might be the king of our hearts and show us your goodness and guide us with your goodness and and making decisions and, and, and guide us in direction. Lord, we pray that if we have sin, that we come to you and we confess our sin to you. And because you're a God of good, you promise to forgive us our sins and, and, and cleanse us and purify us. And Lord, we praise you. We thank you so much of that. That God, you never turn us away. And it's just amazing. It's just kind of the opposite of who we are. When someone upsets us, many times we want to turn them away. We want to shun them. But God, you're the complete opposite. No matter what someone has done to you, you still have your arms open and you love them. We can always come to you because you're always forgiving. You're always loving. You're always merciful. And you're always, always good. You're an amazing God. You're beautiful God in all your ways. And we come here, Lord, to worship you this morning, acknowledging all those things about you. For God, you're so, you're so such set apart from us. You're in a completely different category than we are. And our minds just can't wrap around you because you're so amazing, God, that you're always good. We love you and we praise you today. And Lord, as we continue to worship you, let us be reminded of your goodness and let our words be shouts of praise to you because you are so good. We love you and praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.